and welcome. We are talking pet chat. Cheryl Shaw, welcome back to the show. Always lovely to have you. Thank you, Sarah. It's lovely to be here. And who's this sitting opposite me? Dr. Mm. Kimberly Earl. Hello. I know you were here last week, but I, I didn't was, get to yeah. see you. No, it was good. It's good to be back for a couple little uh, guest appearances for the time being. Is it just like riding a horse? It is, yep. yep. I think so. <laughs> You're straight back into it? Straight back into it. No problems. Now, Cheryl, I've got to congratulate you. You've become a mum again. You've got a beautiful uh, new standard poodle, Mystique. Mystique, yes, a little silver poodle. She's <sighs> eight weeks and just divine. How are you finding it? The, oh, you know, I'm loving being back as some, um, you know, a pet parent again oh. of a baby. You <laughs> just can't help yourself, <laughs> no, can you? I can't. Now, I'm trying to guess what you're talking mm-hmm. about today. You've got lots of brooches. You've got one for, of course, State of Origin yep. tonight mm-hmm. happening in Sydney. Going to be a big game. Go New South Wales. Mm. Mm-hmm. But you're not talking about that, I'm guessing. No, I thought with Kimberly being here today, and she's such an expert in rabbits, that we'd talk about keeping rabbits as pets. Lovely. Sounds yeah. good. Very good. And, of course, we're taking your calls. Kimberly. you're ready to go, aren't you? Totally. Yep. <sighs> Let's do this. Hello, Di from Talara. Now, you've got a question about rehousing a cat. Uh, yes, I do. Um, I'm bringing my mum's cat home. She passed away a few months ago. Uh, I just want to know what I can do to make the transition to my place a lot easier for us. She's going to be be an indoor cat. She's been in and out at mum's place, but the dog keeps chasing her away. I have three cats here, indoor cats. Two of them are her brothers. I just want to know what I can do to make it easier for her. You know, is there any specific things I have to do? Yeah, sure. So it can be a very stressful time for cats when you were rehoming them. Um, changing them from indoor, indoor, outdoor to strictly indoor is a challenge, but certainly can be done. And actually, changing the whole location. She's moving from one, you know, yes, one establishment to the other. Going from Mary Ward to Maitland. Yeah, so, so that, that'll be yeah. helpful. So listen, a a slow introduction is always best. And so what I would do is um, set the cat up in a room um, all on her own with her own food, her own water, her own litter tray. Um, And ideally just let her spend the first couple weeks in there just to adjust to the sounds and the smells. She's going to know that there's other cats and um, animals on the other side of the door. Um, But the best thing we can do is probably just give her that, that safe uh, space on her own um, and particularly with your your cats they're going to need some time to adjust to her as well even if they're um, originally litter mates they're going to need some time to adjust they probably won't remember that so um, yeah that's going to take some time and then just start letting her have um, small amounts of space out of that room um, preferably in a non-threatened situation so have the other cats locked away the other animals locked away so she can start to explore without having to feel threatened well, my cats are pretty good because I, a few months ago I brought home another one from Mary Wall. Mm-hmm. It was living in a rabbit hut and I brought her home and yeah. my cats didn't worry about it one little bit. That's she cool. was sending it straight from in the, out to all the indoors and yes, so my cats are just yeah. big lazy slobs. Okay. <laughs> and so then for the other for the other one, watch really closely for signs of um, of stress. You know, make sure she's yep. using the litter box normally. Some cats will get something called stress cystitis. So um, even if they don't look stressed, but if you you know if you're seeing unusual litter box habits or any spotting of blood, anything like that, that that can be a sign that they have yep. cystitis. And you can look at. Um, feline pheromone sprays or diffusers that can really help with that sort of thing and if it becomes a more um, complicated issue if you start developing a problem then seeing your vet's a really good thing to do great thank you good luck okay thanks for that thanks for your call di we appreciate it uh hello have you got a question for dr kimberly earl i do i do i have three uh male dogs they're inside outside dogs uh, the two older ones are just sex. The youngest one, which is just a year old, he hasn't been just sexed yet. Uh, as I said, they're inside-outside dogs, but for some reason, the youngest one 
Um, will not stop going to the toilet inside. I keep putting him outside to go, etc. Mm-hmm. But he still insists on peeing over everything. Okay. So first thing to do is get him desexed straight away because he's marking his territory. He's the entire male. He's trying to rule the roost, and so he's marking his territory. And then you need to take him back to being treating him like he's a little tiny puppy, and you need to put him into a crate. So you need to crate train him. There's some good resources online for how to properly crate train. He's not. Um, he really shouldn't be allowed the privilege of being in the house until he's consistently crate trained or until he's consistently toileting only outside. But you'll never get that to happen until he's desexed because now he's in the habit of marking his territory. So you want to get him desexed as soon as possible. Right, that's what I was thinking it was. Yeah. Okay, don't worry. It's just because the other little dog keeps on, like, once, once my big, once the youngest one pees in the house, one of the little dogs um, pees over around and comes after him. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's because they're marking territory. So, um, and once you've got him desexed, it'll take a few weeks for the testosterone in his system to go away. Um, but in the meantime, you're going to want to get some really good um, enzymatic, you know, cleaners to get that um, stuff out of there. If you just use regular carpet cleaner or or upholstery cleaner, it won't get the um, the pheromones out. So you need to use an enzymatic, something that's specifically designed for cleaning up dog urine. Okay. Okay. Thank you so very, very much. You're welcome. Good luck. Really good advice there. So desexing as soon as you can is a big thing if you've got um, your dogs inside. Inside and he's marking his territory. Absolutely. You won't get it stopped without it, really. And unfortunately, sometimes it's it's not 100% foolproof because some dogs that becomes a learned behaviour. Mm. But like I said, that desexing in combination with um, treating him like he's a puppy again, he shouldn't be rewarded with the, the privilege of being in the house unsupervised until he's consistently toileting outside again. So, um, yeah, crate training is really helpful and really important. Do you, are you crate training your puppy? I am, and having great success. Only three days, so we're doing well. Yeah, and the whole thing about crate training is it prevents them from doing the behaviour we don't want, from practising. Remember, Dr. Bob used to always say, don't let them practise the bad behaviour. So, um, you know, peeing is a normal behaviour, but peeing in the house inappropriately is a we consider it a bad behavior. If you let them practice that, even inadvertently, um, they get used to it and they sort of go, oh, this is this is fun. I've done it here yeah. before. No problem. So we don't want them to practice that inappropriate behavior and crate training really limits that. What does crate training involve? Like how, how many hours are they in the crate? And is the crate inside and then they are taken out? Or? Yeah, so so they're inside the crate. Um, what I tell people is they they should be inside the crate at all times unless they're being directly supervised. And even young puppies can easily spend four to six hours in the crate at a time they're gonna I mean puppies are are sleeping they're growing Um, so I usually tell people you know have them in the crate first thing in the morning you want to open the crate up take them out to the toilet before feeding anything like that give them their command word what you're gonna do their command word Um, and then once they've done their business lots and lots of praise bring them back inside feed them because puppies particularly but even this adult dog feed it and then take it back outside because certainly in puppies feeding and watering them will um, will stimulate bowel motions and things like that so then back outside to the toilet then you might have some play time with them but we're talking direct supervision and while they're out of the crate being directly supervised they should be taken outside for toilet breaks um, in the case of puppies probably every 30 to 40 minutes and again you're going to give a command word that everybody in the house agrees on so you've got the same command and then you're going to okay i'm heading off to work now puppy goes in the crate um 
And in an ideal situation, they'd come out again in, in four to six hours for a lunch break and a toilet break again. Um, but by the time a puppy is about 12 to 16 weeks of age, they should really be able to hold it through for, for about eight to ten hours. I was going to say, so they don't yeah. go in the crate? They generally won't no, go? No, the whole, the whole premise is that dogs are inherently clean animals and they don't want a toilet in the area that they see as their bed. And so the crate needs to be big enough that the puppy is comfortable. They need to be able to stand up, turn around, lie down, but not so big that it can walk to the far end of the crate and toilet there okay. and feel like it's got enough space to comfortably sleep. So the whole idea is that we want it to be small enough to confine them and to make them feel like they're in their bed, but not so small that they're cramped in it, right? But also if it's too big, if you get a, a little tiny poodle um, and you put it in a great big crate, or some people try in a laundry room, and that's often too big because mm. they'll walk over to the other side and they'll toilet over toilet there. Bed. So we're giving them an incentive, teaching them to hang on to their bo- bodily functions. If we don't teach them and give them a reason to do it, then they'll just void themselves as soon as they feel the urge. Yeah, fair But I enough. think there's that um, you really have to pay attention to that puppy <clears throat> being crated, yeah. that you are taking it out oh, to the toilet. Oh, sure. to torture your, otherwise. And you know what? Setting your alarm on your, your phone is a yeah. great way. You know, every yeah. hour, maybe two hours, just depending on your yeah. dog's age, it's a great way to, you know, initiate that going to yeah. the toilet. Taking yeah. them to the same place outside, yeah. it's really important because then they make that association with Absolutely. when I go to this place, you say that key word, That's right. I urinate or I defecate. That's right. And then mm. lots of praise for them. Yes. And then um, particularly for, for dogs that are inside and, and late at night, I always tell people, try to get the puppy out to the toilet. Um, it might mean that you have to wake them up, but try to get them out to the toilet somewhere between 10 and 11 o'clock and then get them back into their bed. Don't rile them up too much. You really just want to get them out to the toilet, get them to do their business, and then straight back in um, into bed. And then hopefully they'll sleep through for you till 5, 6 o'clock in the morning and get them back up again. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's harder when people are working during the day, it though. It is. Yeah, yeah, for sure it is. And that's why I say, I mean, once they're a bit older, you know, once they're at the sort of four-month mark, they should be able to hold it through the day. But we just need to be cognizant of the fact then that they are spending a good chunk of the day you know, on their own. So hopefully you can um, maybe work it out so somebody can be there at least once through the day to get them out to the toilet, um, give them a bit of interaction, a bit of play time. Um, And particularly with little small breed puppies, we often find that they need to have a midday meal sometime in the middle of the day, a midday meal. Okay. Interesting stuff. Now, in our last break, we were talking about crate training. Uh, Your dog's to, to toilet train them. Now, we had a lady phone in. She didn't want to go to air, which is not a problem, very much against the, the crate training. So just wondering what the, the thoughts are for the, for the pros and the cons. Yeah, look, Sarah, I have um, two poodles now, my new little one that it's only eight weeks, and I have Avalon, who turned two last Sunday. Now, when I first got Avalon, I had a crate ready to go to pop him into to start training. The first night I put him in, he squealed and carried on. He became so distressed that I had to take him out and he wasn't in there for very long. Each time I tried to put him back in, he would just scream and carry on. So for, for him... It certainly wasn't ever going to be a dog that could be crated. He's a very much relaxed dog. He has had the run of the house. In the beginning, he was just in one room in our conservatorium and he had access to go inside and outside, but he was certainly a dog that could never be crated. This new little one I have is so happy. She was raised in a crate in her kennel that she was in um, before I got her from the breeder and she's quite content going into her crate. She finds that a safety a safety area and she's quite happy. So you need to tailor it to your dog. You, you're obviously not, not going to let your dog be in distress. No. Um, that's yep. just not fair. So you, I guess you kind of have to monitor it to oh, see yeah. how they're going. But I would say that the majority of dogs tolerate it pretty well. And if you think back to... Um, 
the wild dogs, not that most of our pets are wild dogs, but wild dogs are often born in a den. They're born in a small enclosed space because it keeps them safe, the mother's able to keep them safe, and they're frequently not allowed out until they're well into their sixth or eighth week. Um, and so, you know, for lots of puppies, that's an instinctual thing that they feel quite comfortable there. Lots of veterinary behaviorists will tell you that um, dogs um, feel safe in that enclosed and crate environment, and we're certainly not talking about leaving them in there unsupervised for, you know, the whole day, anything like that. I, I, I don't believe in that. And remembering that they're not going to stay in the crate for their whole life either. Um, having said that, my first golden retriever, um, Kaylee, she was crate trained. She, um, you know, I used to come home from work and let her out and we'd have a play and a run at lunchtime and then I'd go back to work. Um, and even long after I stopped locking her into the crate to keep her, you know, from having free reign of the house, that, that for that rest of her life, she would go and sleep in her crate. That was her preferred area to yeah, sleep. Yeah, she, she liked slept that. On, in the lounge or in the, in the bedroom. She liked it. Um, lots of dogs that have anxiety issues thrive once we start giving them a safe space like that. So I'm not sure the clawler, I'm not sure what her... Um, beef is about it um, you know everybody's going to have different opinions but I think overall for most dogs and certainly where we have a toileting issue um, keeping in mind that one of the highest death causes of death of dogs is um, poor behavior and certainly inappropriate toileting is absolutely mm. right up there this is literally could be a life and death situation for that dog if we don't get the toilet training under control then so you do have crate training is important the pet owners like me where you ladies would just <laughs> shake your head off uh, and give my you know <laughs> Gizmo first night right in the bed, <laughs> like a baby. <laughs> and that's okay. That works for some people, Sarah. Yeah. It just depends on the dog. It depends on your situation. Mm. And there's, you know, a lot of multiple dog owners, um, you know, that have multiple dogs that they need to, to make sure that their dogs are safe. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, a safety issue sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good points. Look, we're going to go to Jenny now. Jenny's in Fern Bay. Jenny, welcome to the show. You've got a question about your puppy. <clears throat> oh, thank you very much. Yes, um, I've got a gorgeous little Maltese Shih Tzu uh, baby who's just over three months old. Mm -hmm. She's going to be my assistant dog. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> back to the point. She goes outside and does poo-poos and we weave outside in the veranda because she can't get down the steps at yep. the moment. Yep. Now, that's going quite well. However, I'm going to do a house sit at the end of the month in Wollongong. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering what I do about her toileting then. Um, yeah. Will I train her to go onto the, the grass, the fake grass mat for the moment? Or is that right out of the question? Yeah, or? well, I guess it depends how the house where you're going to be at is set up as well, whether there's a stair issue. Obviously, there's little toy dogs. Um, they often can struggle to get up big sets of stairs. Yeah, um, yeah. It may not be an issue in the other house, but, you know, I guess I always try to encourage them where possible to learn to toilet where you want them to toilet. The problem with giving them yeah. a substitute is that sometimes then, you know, we substitute um, wee pads for instead of grass, but then they will substitute newspapers or towels sometimes lying on the ground for wee pads yeah. later in life. Yeah. So I think yeah. if we can, the ideal situation is to get them onto the grass. If that's not going to be a possibility, um, then, yeah, you know, starting with something like some some fake grass or something like that um, and then you might have to gradually move that down onto the grass and, and hopefully your puppy will um, will grow yeah. I mean as they get you know more mature then their uh, agility and ability to get up and down stairs yeah. um, gets a lot better as well yeah, yeah. yeah well she sleeps she sleeps in the bed with me mm -hmm. and so when I wake up I take her out and she goes and does her business outside yeah. with the house I'm going to it has got steps yeah um, she'll never get 
down them. She'll get up them, but she will never get down, down them. them. Yeah, sure. So sh- should I do that little bit of training on the fake grass? You could, yeah. I guess it depends yeah. how long you're going to be home. She's a small breed dog. You can always pick her up and take her down the stairs. But I think well, whatever yeah. you think is going to be, it, it depends too on how long you're going to be there. You know, if you're only going to be yeah. there for a week or ten days, then it may be worthwhile just sort of, you know, persisting and, and making yourself go up and down the stairs a lot of times carrying her. If it's going to be a longer situation, then you may want to do it, um, you know, give her the substitute, the fake grass or something like that to go on it's to. It's only going to be a week. Yeah, so. yeah, so... Yeah. Jenny, you do find thing, yeah, big thing for her to go to this place because we're going so well yeah. with our our toilet training, That's and right. you know it's going to throw her right into you know, what we do now, you know. It's going to be confusing for her. Yeah, that's right. Jenny, if you offer her some newspaper in this place that you're going to, just put some newspaper down, you'll find that most puppies will go and go on to newspaper if you're having difficulties getting her down into another space. Yeah, okay. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you very much for that. No worries. Thanks for your call, Jenny. Appreciate it. It's a big one today, uh, toilet training our our puppies. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that is a big thing because it can totally interrupt your life for six or eight weeks, I guess. Yeah, or sometimes longer. I think, you know, particularly um, where people are struggling, you know, I, I sometimes see dogs for desexing that are still, um, which is usually around six months of age, and um, and their owners are sometimes still struggling with toilet training, and we do sometimes have to take them right back to square one and say, okay, you know, we, we can't allow this puppy to have free roam of the house until we're consistently toileting in the right spot. So, um, And it can really affect people's relationship, I think, with their pets. They don't want to spend... Um, or maybe they don't want to have the dog in the house as much. Not that they don't want to spend time with them, but they don't want to have them in the house because they're worried about the time they're going to have to spend cleaning up the floor, particularly if they have carpets and things mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, getting it right from the beginning can make a really big difference to the, the bonding that they do with the puppy. And I think it's really positive. If you're taking your puppy out really regularly and mm-hmm. it's actually urinating or defecating outside, yep. you get that, oh, yes, you know, I, I'm, on the, I'm on it. I'm on it. achievement. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't slip up, because, you know, once you allow one accident to happen. I always yes. have a saying that if it has an accident inside, you're 50 days further away from being toilet yeah, trained. Really? So that's wow. my little theory that I use because they have memory. If they've urinated somewhere inside, they're going to do it again mm. unless you've used proper you know, cleaning materials to get rid of yeah. that odour that's there for them. Come. And you know, one of the things too that often people make the mistake when they get a young puppy they open the door and let it go out and the dog doesn't necessarily go it to the do toilet. They so, don't know what to no. do. That's right. And if you put them on a little slip lead, take them out to the grass or wherever you want them to mm-hmm. go and just stand there. Don't talk to them, just stand there. First of all, the puppy will pull and, you know, sort of mm-hmm. do crocodile rolls and wanting to know whether we're playing or what we're doing. Then they'll relax. Once they relax, that's when they'll urinate. So the minute you notice your dog starting to relax, going to the toilet, give that cue, that word that you use at home, you know, do a wee or whatever go to the toilet and then praise then mm-hmm. you can slip that lip and slip the lead off and let the dog come back inside with you mm-hmm. so it's not play sometimes people are going outside and they're actually playing oh, yeah. rather than toileting so yeah. it really is important to make that difference between it yeah and puppies have a very short attention span so um particularly if you've got um you know kids in the family and you say oh take the puppy outside to the toilet i can guarantee you what actually happens is that everybody goes outside and there's lots of squealing and running around and everyone is enjoying the puppy and the puppy just hasn't actually had an opportunity of a quiet moment to think about what it needs to do so it comes in the house and it has an accident Mm. inside the house because it hasn't actually you know had any quiet time to just sort of settle and do it outside so really important that you don't just put the puppy outside that somebody's out there with them so that we can a give them the the command whatever the family 
command is, B, that we can praise them, and C, that we're actually watching that they're doing it. And once we have them toilet trained, I mean, dogs are just amazing. My nan, her mind is still blown every time she stays with us because Gizmo, you know, like clockwork, he goes to the door if he needs to go out. He knows as soon as I say, um, Gizzy, bedtime, he knows that's his cue. He goes and stands at the door Mm because the last thing we do before bed is go to the toilet. Toilet. I mean, they really are amazing. Once Mm. they get it, they they get it. dogs are very habitual creatures. They like to do things on a schedule. So, you know, previously my dog, she knew when it was six o'clock was dinner time without fail every single day. And she knew, um, you know, before bed, it was, I'm going out to the toilet. That's just what we do. Um, My first golden retriever, I was still living in Canada at the time and she was a winter puppy. Um, And so her habit for her whole first six or seven months of her life was that she would pee on the snow. And I tell you, when when spring came and all the (laughs) snow was melting, she was finding these teeny tiny islands of snow to pee on. And obviously when the snow was gone, then she just developed a new habit of peeing on the grass. But they are habitual creatures and Mm. they want to sort of do what they're familiar with. So encouraging them and and getting them to practice the appropriate behavior and not letting them practice the the behavior we don't want is really critical. Nettie has done that. Nettie, you're in Madawi. How can Dr. Kimberly Earle help you today? Hello, Sarah. Hello, Kimberly. Hello. Uh, look, I have a, an old pussy cat. He's over 16, and he has had an abscess on his lower jaw for the last 10 days. Okay. We took him to the vet after three days, and he had the night in hospital. They uh, did um, tests, couldn't detect any cancer cells, so they okay. didn't think it was a tumour. Yeah. But after all this time, I would have thought the swelling would be going down, mm. and it really isn't, and it's and it's looking a bit mucky, as mm-hmm. if it's oozing. Okay. And and I just really would like your opinion. He has had antibiotic injection, yep. and he is to have another one next Monday. Okay. But is that too long between injections? Uh, it depends a little bit. It's probably one of our long-acting injections when you get a fortnight's worth of coverage. So that's okay. probably okay. Right. Um, but listen, I would, you know, when you take him back for his next injection, I would definitely query whether or not um, there's something else we could be looking at. Um, so dental disease in old cats. He may yes. have a tooth that's um, causing him grief that needs to yes. come out, and you may not get it under control until we get that out of there. Yes. Um, and we actually, it's funny that you, you've called, we actually have a cat in our hospital today who's having a similar procedure done um, and we feel that that cat maybe has developed something nasty Uh. unsure at this stage so it's having some diagnostics but sometimes just a reassessment um, either a re-aspirate or an x-ray can can um, give us a bit more light on the situation Um, you know older cats are more likely to have a variety of different things but I would certainly say um, you know question or have your vet have a look for dental issues or query them whether there's any potential dental issues um, and maybe an x-ray and um, and just you know as long as he's eating and things like that sounds like he's doing okay but yeah we certainly want to get it under control Yes, absolutely. That's why I just thought I'd ask your opinion. Yeah. So that's that's been helpful. Thank you very much for that. You're very welcome. Okay, bye Thanks, now. Thanks, Nanny. We really appreciate it. And I think we've got another call here. Hello, can we help you today? What's your question for Dr. Kimberly Earle? Hello, yes. Uh, I was just wondering, my dog, I think it's got mites. Mm-hmm. And he's, he, she scratches her back and she's starting to show a bit of skin and it's going all down to her tail. Oh, okay, now. yep. So um, it would be not impossible but not super common for a dog to have mites um, unless they have something else going on. Fleas or flea allergies can be really, really common. Um, so... 
want to make sure we run a really good one of the new generation flea products nothing you can buy from a grocery store is going to be good enough so you want to go to a vet clinic or a good quality um, pet shop to get one of the newer generation flea products having said that if your dog's already got a secondary skin infection because they've been scratching themselves and there's some scabbing and things like that probably you're only going to get that under control with a visit to your vet and may need some antibiotics Oh, okay. Okay, because yep. they can scratch themselves so bad that they give themselves a secondary infection and then any parasitic problems, you can get rid of the parasites, but they won't get rid of the itching until we take care of the infection. So you can certainly try a good quality um, parasite control product, but if that's not working in a pretty quick fashion, then get them up to your vet and have a look. Um, what, what would you call a, a good quality parasite? Just um, just go into the pet shop and ask for one of their new products. So usually it's going to be a systemic product, so something that you put into the dog's mouth, although there are a couple new ones that are topical you can uh, um, apply on the top. But we really want to use some of our newer generation products. If, if it was available 20 years ago, it's probably not what I'd be thinking about. We don't like to name product names on here, but any of your good quality vet hospitals or um, or high-level pet shops will have it. Anything you buy at a grocery store is going to be an old, old drug, and they're never going to do oh, yeah, a very yeah. good job. Okay? And if, if yep. I had two dogs, would yes. I do both? Yes, definitely. Yes, definitely. Yep, yep. Yeah, because yep. yeah, I've got a little dog and a big dog. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because even if it is mites or fleas, they're going to transmit between the two of them, for sure. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Thank you yep, for yep. your call. Four nine two one six two one six. Let's go to Todd now in Singleton. You've also got a question about your dog, Todd. Yeah, it's not my dog actually. I'm on a Labrador for a friend. Okay. And um, it, it's a inside dog, and goes with him at night time. And we've got him out in the back veranda on a um, lounge with some blankets. Yeah. And he's just howling all the time. Oh right. Okay. When he's outside, so, he's howling. He's howling, so he's obviously missing his owner, I yeah. would have thought, but is there anything that I can do other than <laughs> taking him back around to his owner and leaving him there? Yeah, listen, I mean, I guess um, making sure he's getting adequate amounts of exercise, if he's able to do that, he doesn't have any reasons that you can't exercise him, that can be really helpful. Um, he's a Labrador, so they usually have a pretty big food drive, so um, making him work for his food rather than feeding him out of a dish. So give him a bit of a job to do. That might mean that you just take his dry biscuits and you scatter them on the back lawn, um, and he'll still probably go through them pretty quickly, but um, it can be enough to just, you know, help give them something to do. Um, yep. If it's that he... Was he sleeping out... He, sorry, it's just during the day that he's outside? No. He's coming he, in. He, he, goes, he's, well, he goes outside with his owner through the day and all yeah. that. He sleeps inside with him. Yeah, but and he, is he howling for you inside? Um, well, we're inside of a night time and he's howling, yes. Yeah, okay, and so yeah, he's he still grouse. making noise. Yeah, oh, he's outside, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I guess but making he's, sure he's nice and warm and... Um, yeah, well, like I said, he's on a veranda on a lounge. It, it can be hard. If he's used to being inside sleeping, I mean, there's lots yep. of dogs in the neighbourhood probably making noise at, at night, and it might be that he's not used to that, and it can be either mm-hmm. causing a bit of stress and anxiety or he's just trying to talk back to the neighbourhood. I know certainly around <laughs> our neighbourhood it gets a lot more noisy at night with dog sounds. Um, yep. So you may try, you know, if, if he can't be in the house at night, maybe in a, um, a more enclosed area like a laundry or bathroom, um, where he's yep. not hearing the sound so much um, mm-hmm. can be helpful. Um, you could try, you know, a, an edible toy for him or a, um, a rawhide or something like that of an evening that he can um, entertain himself with a bit more. But, yeah, I think exercise yep. is helpful. And obviously he's missing his people, um, you know, he's missing the, the routine that he was sort of used to. But, yeah, I would try try some of those things and see how you go. 
Okay, thank you very much. No Bye worries. On you, Todd. Okay. Can, can dogs, I know they, they get anxious, but mm-hmm. could he be scared? Is he scared out there? Well, that's, I think that's what we, anxiety scared. Yeah, sure, it could be. And particularly if he's not used to the sounds of the environment around him, if he's used to sleeping inside where he's, you know, listening to the footy on the television and his people talking and not the dogs howling. And it might be that somebody has a really, you know, mean sounding dog in the neighborhood mm. or, or down the, down the valley. I mean, I can hear dogs. I'm in a bit of a, a valley sort of area and I can hear dogs way across the valley barking sometimes and some of them sound pretty big and, and nasty so yeah I think anxiety can be a really big thing or fear anxiety um, he, he might want to come in Todd if you're still listening to watch The Origin tonight maybe you know maybe. <laughs> he might need his little little bed beside yours yeah. you know yeah. yeah it takes them some time too I think you know when, when I've um, dog sat before um, often the first few nights can be quite challenging for the dogs everything's a little bit different the sights and the smells remember, remember that they're yeah. very um sensory dogs and um little things for us that we don't think you know well he's warm and he's had his you know his tummy's full but the smells are different and the sounds are different and um all sorts of things are different for them so yeah yeah a little bit of overwhelming yeah Yeah, most definitely oh look it's just been so lovely to have you back on pet chat kimberly thanks Um, i've really enjoyed it yeah it's been really nice now and cheryl we didn't quite get to your topic today oh we can do rabbits another day yeah yeah is is anyone got a rabbit is that what you're thinking Kimberly, you used to have rabbits, didn't you? No, no. I see lots of rabbits, but I'm not having rabbits. You're not. They're too hard work. <laughs> Anybody who thinks that rabbits are easy pets to take care of, they're lovely pets, but I don't think they're easy pets. So, mm. um, yeah, so they're, they're a bit of work. So, yeah, and I'm not having rabbits. Because a lot of people do think, I'll just get a rabbit. It's nice and easy, you oh, know, set yeah. and forget. But they're yeah. really no. difficult to manage they're, in terms of health. And... Yeah, they, they've got quite a few issues. Um, lots of them are great, but they have quite a few issues. And diet is really important. And so if you think... Think if if your rabbit is an easy quote unquote easy pet for you, you're not doing it right. <laughs> you should be putting work into that every single day. Yeah, chopped green leafy veggies and hay and you know things like that. Interacting, they're very interactive rabbits. They've got amazing little personalities. So they need their own chef. That's what they need. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.